Hi, this is David Spray, host of the IC Disc Show, and I just had a great interview with Hans Strock of Expense Reduction Analyst, and this was a really wide-ranging interview that can really help any company that has $5 million of revenues or more, regardless of whether they export. And uh, Hans also created a guide at www.reducedexpenses.com. So if you don't have time to listen to the podcast and you want to just go straight over there, there's a, a great presentation with a little more detail that you can just fast forward through as you want. And uh, again, I hope you enjoy this show. Hans has helped dozens of clients save millions of dollars, and I'm a, a big fan of what they do. So I hope you really enjoy the show, and uh, I hope you have a great day. Hi, Hans. Hey, Dave. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thank you for being a guest on the IC Disc Show. Of course. My pleasure. Thanks. Okay. Well, let's get this started. Um, so my guest today is Hans Strunk, and he is uh, Managing Director of Expense Reduction Analysts. And uh, Hans grew up in Spain in the Netherlands. After finishing high school in the Netherlands, he immigrated to the U.S., where he graduated from Southern Methodist University with a degree in economics. Hans is a nationally recognized professional in the third-party logistics industry. He gained extensive experience in logistics as senior vice president of South Central Wholesale in Chicago, as well as uh, executive vice president of sales and marketing for North America for a global supply chain management company. He's executed numerous international logistics projects for many Fortune 1000 companies. Early in his career, Hans operated warehouse facilities and ran a truck brokerage division for a major national firm. Hans joined ERA as a regional licensee in 2006 and became a managing director in 2012. Hans is consistently one of the top client acquirers in the United States and uh, Hans lives in Houston and uh, is married with uh, two children and uh, several dogs. So with that, um, welcome, Hans. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. So uh, just while I think of it, many of my contacts uh, have enjoyed the podcast, but uh, many of my contacts don't have an IC disc. And uh, they've requested that I try to add some value for really any company that's, say, $5 million or larger, whether they have an IC disc or not. So I heard you loud and clear, and that's why Hans is on the show today. So, Hans, how long have we known each other? Well, Dave, I would say this was right after I joined ERA. ERA, by the way, stands for Expense Reduction Analyst, and that was... 12 years ago or so, I would imagine. So we've known each other quite a long time. Yeah, that sounds uh, that sounds about right. I don't know if you remember when we first met, but I, uh, I described the IC disc to you, and then um, you described what you do to me. And do you remember what my comment was when you explained what you did to what you uh, about your services? Uh, tell me. I don't remember. <laughs> okay. You said, or I said, uh, after you told me what you did, I said, Hans, that seems 
too good to be true, if you ask me. I just can't believe there's that much money available that companies are just leaving on the table. And your reply to me was, well, Dave, the icy disc sounds just as dubious to me. And we uh, we kind of both laughed about it and said, all right, fair enough. So uh, since then, uh, I haven't checked the numbers lately, but I know that you you and your company have added millions of dollars in value over the last 12 years to my clients. So, uh, so thank you for taking such good care of my clients. Well, thanks for introducing them to me. I appreciate that as well. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and also uh, the last item is in preparation for this call, Hans did something pretty cool. Um, he set up a website called Reduced Expenses, uh, R-E-D-U-C-E-D-E-X-P-E-N-S-E-S.com. And that, uh, that domain is just a landing page where you can go get a copy of a presentation so that if you don't have time to listen to this podcast or you want to learn more, um, basically it's a presentation where he just walks a company through exactly how to do this work themselves. Is that right, Hans? Yeah, essentially, I, I basically uh, uh, t- talk about the process we go through and why we are successful. And um, I explain to whoever listens that this is not brain surgery and, and any firm can do it. it. It takes commitment and takes other things, but um, it can be done. So uh, when you asked, I was happy to uh, to provide that. Well, thank you. And again, that's sure. reduced expenses. Dot com reduced yep. expenses.com and we'll have that in the show notes too so so hans how did you get into this line of work because well, you came from said, corporate america yeah, right where you yeah. were very successful and uh, why did you make the change to uh, era well a, a couple of reasons um t- to your point i've been in corporate america 15 20 years and uh, had done enough traveling for a lifetime and uh, started a family. Our boys were just uh, two and three, three and four, something like that. And I just didn't want to be away. So part of the reason was um, a, a life, a lifestyle change. Uh, the other reason was that uh, I was I was somewhat done with corporate America, always chasing, you know, uh, the next qu- quarter financials and um, go to the next meeting and you know, all the things that, that people know about corporate America. There are many advantages, but there's some disadvantages as well. And I was I was ready for a different challenge where I was more my own boss and um and I I, I think I knew what that meant, higher rewards, higher risks and, and, and other things as well. But I was ready for that. So it was a combination of sort of wanting to do something else away from corporate America and, and uh starting a new lifestyle change and, and be become more independent professionally oh, okay that's i can certainly relate to that as a, uh, as a fellow <laughs> yes you can um so so what so i guess it's been about 13 years now you've been at era what's uh have there been many surprises has it been uh just a smooth sailing the whole time or is it uh what what about it's been easier than maybe you thought or what's been harder than what you thought it would be like well when when i joined era i had the the same reaction that you had when when I talked to you first, and that that is, well, this this sounds too good to be true, right? So our 
our model is essentially where where we where we take a look at at the contracts, the agreements that our clients have with suppliers, and uh, through a whole process and the knowledge that we have, uh, we try to improve upon that. And if we are successful and if there are savings, then we get paid. So, um, you know, your your reaction was similar to my reaction. So, um, but um, you know, once I joined ERA, um, I thought it was you know, a, a no-brainer, so to speak, but not everybody else does. And um, so, so obviously, um, there were challenges. And um, the main challenge, I would say, is, is trying to differentiate when they don't know who you are yet, right? So trying okay. for a, a busy CFO or a busy CEO to respond to a call or respond to an email, that's easier said than done. Um, and that only has gotten worse and harder over time because of LinkedIn and social media and other things that have come, uh, you know, in the last 12 years. So, so that was, that was the hard part. The easy part was once I was in the door or once I was connected, um, w- with the, the top level people in the, in the organizations, um, they understand the model. They appreciate the model. They like the model. And, and so that part was, um, not, not as difficult. So, so, um, but getting in the door, you know, was and continues to be a challenge. Um, but that's that's to be understood. And and in our model, we really have to start at the top because it is a strategic discussion that we're that we need to have. It's it's a commitment and and really often a, a culture change that we're asking a company to uh, to uh, to work on. And so so thank you for that. And sure. I'm also assuming. That you that one of your biggest challenges is the same challenge we have that goes back to a conversation twelve years ago, and is that just overcoming the skepticism that people have really left this much money on the table? Yeah, they they you know and and and, and our history we we've been around for twenty five years so we 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 say historically this is how much money we save and it is between ten and thirty percent and that does sound high and it is high. And so naturally, uh, a CFO or a CEO, um, his first reaction or her first reaction is that sounds too good to be true. Or they will say, we're looking at our expenses every day. Um, there's no way you can do that. Um, so these are, you know, typical responses. And uh, sometimes we are not able to save them money, but then at least you know, they know about that and we, we went through some sort of a due diligence process with them. Um, however, more often than not, um, there are reasons why we are able to, to find those savings in addition to what they already had done themselves. And, and clearly, 100% of our companies that we deal with, 100% of our clients are looking at their expenses every day. So um, it's not that they're not doing it, they are doing it, but for a variety of reasons we can go into, you know, we are able to shave off more than they were able to find. Okay. So help me translate that, uh, that percentage, like, let's just think about it as a percentage of revenues. Okay. So what would the, the savings be as a percentage of revenues? uh, uh, I I would say it's, it's probably on the low end, half a percent of revenue and on the high end, one and a half percent of revenue. And we deal with clients as small as five million in annual revenue and as large as you know billions 
Okay. Well, so let's just let's just kind of let's just do the math on that. So if we yeah. have a company that does fifty million of annual revenue, and we take the midpoint, that would be one percent. Mm-hmm. So one yep. percent of fifty million is uh, what five hundred thousand. Yeah. And yeah. so that's a lot of money. And, uh, and, and that's, and then, that's, that's net. So that's, that's after any fees we have. So that's the, what's literally going to their bottom line. Wow. Okay. And then, so that's what they're, they're netting. And then, but, but they only pay you if you're successful, right? That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So if, if we so find guess, savings, me, if, yeah, if we find, if we find savings, and it's apples to apples. You know, we all can find savings and, and you know, go down on quality or service. That's not savings, right? It, it's all about value, so the total package. So if, if we find savings, one, and two, if the client agrees with those savings or that supplier, uh, then, then it's considered a, a successful engagement or a successful project. And, and what, what, what turns out is that in the majority of time, probably 70% of the time, the client will actually stay with their incumbent supplier. So there is no change. Yeah, that is that is awesome. So um, why don't we just look at a typical example? Like let's let's pick a why don't you pick a category that you frequently work in, and let's just do kind of a kind of walk through a you know typical scenario. Well, um, typical, there's no such thing as typical. So we have, you know, experts in the field, analysts, as we call them, that come from industry in a, in probably close to 50 different of what we call cost categories. And that can range from, you know, something very specific like, like um, you know, like food, food distribution, or very generic like office consumables. And so... Um, we deal with all industries, with all sides of companies, because all industries use energy, all industries use uh, insurance, all industries use office consumables. So many of these categories overlap no matter what you do. Uh, and then you have obviously specific categories. So uh, medical supplies will, will not apply to restaurants, but will will apply to hospitals, right? Uh, and and okay. uh, legal software will only uh, apply to you know legal companies so so anyway that is that is that is first of all so so we're we're open to any any company any category and and so really what we do is we have the discussion with the with the client and we try to understand how they procure their um their their goods and services and um we ask them where where do you think there are pain points you know they they always have certain costs and categories where they have a lot of expertise, where they have um, put a lot of resources in and they believe they have good contracts, whether that's the case or not. So we leave that alone and they will say, because we have limited resources, we were not able to spend a lot of time on these seven different categories. So we end up going uh, and, and analyze those, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. So I tell you what, why don't we look at the category that seems to be most commonly used by my clients, which is small parcel freight. Why okay. don't we just look at like a typical small, small parcel freight category. So, and let's just assume that they currently are using UPS okay. and, uh, and they, 
and they say, oh, but don't worry, Hans, we've got a great contract with UPS. We have a great rate. What do you what do you say to them or what do you ask him if they say they have a great rate? Well, we say that they may be correct, that there's no way for me to know, obviously. And and I'm not going to promise them that we will be able to improve upon it, but we won't know until we take a look at it. So uh, if they agree for us to take a look at it, and again, this, there's no cost to them for us to do that, um, they, they send us the contracts that they have and they send us uh, some activities and, and invoices of the last, you know, let's call it last year. So we understand um, what kind of activities they have in this category, what they buy, who they buy it from, how often, at what price, et cetera. And, and with that data, um, we can then benchmark those contracts that that client has um, against all the, all the other projects that we have done. And it's about 20,000 of them. So th- we use the data that we have to benchmark. And then we go back to this, this client in your example and with one of two answers. One is, Mr. Klein, you were absolutely correct. You, your rates and your services are best in class. Congratulations. Please stay with them and, and please continue to do what you do. And that's the end of that engagement. Or we say, you know, your rates are good and competitive, but I, I know we can do better. Um, and then we'll we'll go from there. We'll take the next step. So what what percentage of the time uh, do they have just world class rates? I'm guessing it's a minority of the time. I would say less than ten percent of the time. Okay. And and what so, I find uh, is that there is okay. there's there's no great correlation between size of clients uh, and. Um, let's call it, you know, quality level of rates that they negotiated. You know, oftentimes Interesting. A, a large client thinks because they are large, they have good rates. Um, that mm. is definitely not necessarily the case. So there's no, at least I haven't seen much of a correlation between those two. Okay. So let's say that, that we've got a category <clears throat> and, and let's say they, they have, you know, they're incumbent and you look at it and you do some initial analysis and you decide or, or you indicate that you think you could save them like say 20 to 25% in that category by benchmarking it with all the other projects you've done in that category, right? Right, right. And then and then they let's say they say, okay, all right, well, let's, let's go for it. Let's move forward. We don't have any particular loyalty to this vendor. Let's go for it. What happens next then? What do you all do uh, next? Well, and 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 even if they do have loyalty towards them, sometimes what we do, what we, what we do do next is we um, create an RFP, a request for proposal, and um, the goal of that is not just to get the lowest price possible, but it's a combination of. Uh, what we put in there, we ask of the suppliers, the, the, obviously their pricing, but also certain things related to quality and service. And so um, we we send out an RFP, we get it okayed by the client that, uh, you know, all the requirements that they want in there are in there. And we send it to um, an, a number of the suppliers and uh, we get that back and then we present the responses, so to speak, to the client. And there's no right or wrong there. The client has doesn't have to stay with the incumbent. He doesn't have to stay or choose or go with the lowest price supplier. It is really the client who decides 
this solution gives us the best value. And so that is okay. the, that is the next step. And then, you know, as I said, the majority of the time that is the incumbent. And um, then the implementation, of course, is, is quite simple. Um, but 30% of the time it's not. And then we help them with the implementation and the transfer from one supplier to the other. Okay. And then I would imagine another concern companies might have is that they is that they think this is going to take you know hundreds of hours of time by their like accounting department or purchasing department. Uh, what's like a typical uh, you know range or metric? Because based on my client's experience, it's it's a relatively small amount of time, right? They're either I think your team will even come in and, and actually look through all the invoices like at their office, right? And make the yeah, copies right yeah. there. Yeah, or conversely, if, if they have an online system, right, they can you know somehow share that information with you just electronically, right? And that's that's uh, usually how it goes. But but to your point, um, so as I, as I said earlier, um, and when people see the presentation and 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 my comments with that. Um, they they will see that this again this can be done by by any any company. Um, however, if you do it yourself, it it, it does require a, a lot of commitment and a lot of uh, people and resources. But that may be the right way to go. So to your point, Dave, um, we do a lot of the work behind the scenes. We do it away from the client's office, and we really only um, bring them in to the fray when we need to have them make a decision. So when we go from step one to step two, uh, from the baseline report into the RFP, and then from the RFP into deciding who, the, who you know, who they want as their supplier. So we do the legwork, we do the analysis, uh, we do the monitoring afterwards. So all of those things can be done internally, but that's our value proposition, that's what we do. So to okay. your point, to your point, under our model, um, the amount of time that the client spent with us is really quite minimal. So maybe based on my client experience, so there maybe be like two meetings with uh, like somebody at the, at the executive level, like an initial meeting to uh, discuss the ideas, discuss different categories that you might be able to help them. Yep, for sure. Then maybe a sec and then a second meeting to like present your findings. Uh, and then if they want you to move forward with the RFP, then I guess perhaps a third meeting where you present the results of the RFP. Is that? Yeah, you, you got it pretty much right. We we want to meet also with the stakeholders involved, people that are involved in this process. And, and with freight, it could be, you know, people in operations uh, or in finance or what have you. And we we want them to understand that, you know, what our role is and our role is is really to be an extension of their team. Again, we we sort of do all the legwork and and all the work work. They, as a client, make the decision. So we need to understand the, the stakeholders need to understand who we are, what our role is, and what it is not. Um, so we have those meetings as well. Um, and this is you know for each project. So we could do you know ten projects for a client, and so obviously then it becomes a little bit more busy. But different stakeholders and different people will get involved. Um, so, um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's essentially how it works. Okay. So for, 
and I and I hate to to just pin you down on stuff like this, but I'm uh, go ahead. I'm going to do it anyway. So let's just say we're looking at the at a fifty million dollar company that you end up net saving them five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. How many projects would that typically entail? Three, four, five. Uh, well, let's think about it. If, if it's let's just say it's a blue collar company that buys a lot of freight, right? Uh, a fifty million dollar company can buy three, four million dollars of freight. And uh, what if we save them on the low side, ten percent, you know, whatever? So you right. can get there quickly, um, but they they will also have a lot of you know smaller expenses where they spend. $200,000 a year on office consumables, right? So um, it just depends on the categories. Um, generally okay. speaking, generally speaking, Dave, we really don't want to do more than five projects at a time. Um, okay. Just to make it manageable, um, really for them, because we have, we have, we have the bench strength. We have the analysts in all these different categories. For us, it doesn't matter, but we like to sort of like, um, you know, do five at a time. Once they are successfully, or once they are finalized, then we just add others to it. Okay, so let's just say that they did five projects. Go ahead, pin totaled, me down. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Let's just let's not even pick pick them. Let's just say it's five projects. Right. And it, it, in total, they net five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And let's say each project takes ten hours of time. Sure. By, you know, between executive team and staff. So, I mean, would it be, you know, is that a reasonable like estimate? Yeah, or that I think it is. I absolutely think it 50 is. Hours. Yeah. So 50 hours. So let me just do the math here. So 50 hours of time, that's the investment and the return is $500,000. So if I'm doing my math right, that's a $10,000 per hour uh, return on their investment. It's, uh, that that is that is, but that is that that is, but that's if you only look at it from year one. You know these savings don't end at year one. Um, okay. So if you look at this moving forward, you know let's look at it two years, and it's only that ROI doubled, right? And and really, sure. what you have created is now a lower baseline for that client to negotiate come year three, four, and five. You know. Part of what uh, we do is we, we transfer our knowledge, we transfer our process to our clients so they will now have seen how this works. So ideally, when the contract, let's call it this freight contract, expires in two years, um, they will now know how to go about this. Um, they can hire us again if they want, but they can do it themselves. But now that baseline is so much lower. So if you think about it, um, the ROI per hour is much, much higher than what you just mentioned, the 50,000. Wow, that's, uh, that is awesome. And so really any company with revenues of 5 million and up, you're, uh, you're willing to have a conversation with, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no promises, but we'll have a conversation. Okay. So there's, there's really two easy, uh, your, or, you know, a couple of easy ways people can reach out to you, right? One is they can just go to reducedexpenses.com, uh, enter their information to download the guide, and then you'll just automatically follow up with them, uh, you know, when you'll have their email address, right? And see, you know, if they have any questions, right? Yes. Yeah. 
Exactly. And then the second way they could just they could just give you a call. They can always call uh, me, of right? course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and what's your phone number? It is two eight one three nine one. No, is that true? Seven. Sorry, seven one three three nine one four seven four six. That's my direct. Okay. Seven one three three nine one four seven four six. Gotcha. And then your email is H Strunk. H like Hans, and then your last name, S-T-R-O-N-C-K, at yep. expensereduction.com. That's correct. Okay. So that's your contact info. We'll put that in the in the, the show notes as well. Okay, um, great. So, you know, so why, you know, why is your service relevant for almost all companies? Because don't, I mean, don't, Practically every company already watch their expenses carefully. Yeah, no, and and that is absolutely right. Um, and and there many of them are doing a very good job. But as I indicated earlier, the, the couple of reasons why, you know, it makes sense that we find additional savings. So so first of all, um, this is what we do twenty four hours a day. We deal with suppliers every day. Our analysts know the industry that these suppliers are in, which is very important. Um, they know what makes UPS tick and AT&T tick and Office Depot tick. So um, we we have industry knowledge. Uh, secondly, we have the resources. Our clients have limited resources, regardless how big they are. I don't care. And so those resources, as it as it pertains to to this topic. They're going to spend most of it to their largest expenses. Those are usually labor that we don't deal with or direct expenses. And sometimes we do, mostly we don't deal with that. So that leaves a lot of indirect expenses sort of uh, open and um, exposed. And so uh, the lack of resources is another reason why, you know, some of these contracts are not as good. I mentioned the benchmarking aspect, you know, the, the data we have. From 20,000 projects. So when we have a client in Houston today um, and we try to work on UPS with them, to, to your example, um, we go to UPS and we say, why are you charging them $10 to go from A to B when we had this other client last week, you only charge them $9 to go from A to B. So we use our data to benchmark and obviously as leverage when we negotiate on our client's behalf. So, so there are a couple of reasons you know, why it makes sense, you know, sort of intellectually that we are finding more savings in addition to what our clients had done already. Okay. No, and, and that's been, uh, you know, and I can speak to that uh, personally from our clients that you've, uh, you've worked with that uh, it's, it's, it really seems like that the knowledge you have of those 20,000 projects is really so much of the value you can deliver because if they don't have you and they just call up some vendor and say, Hey, we think we're paying too much. We think we need a discount, right? The vendor's just going to say, well, uh, no, you already have a great rate. Trust us. You have a great rate. And there's really nothing they can do to prove otherwise. Right. Yeah. How do you know? And, and oftentimes a client, you know, when I ask them, how do you know they are good are, are good? And they will say, because we got a 3% reduction, um, last month compared to last year's contract well again that doesn't mean anything necessarily maybe that that maybe that is a good deal but you have no way to compare it right 
Sure. We had yeah. I had a discussion uh, just a few weeks ago with with this one company. Uh, they they told me how what what great of a a, a printing you know copier and printers a contract they they received. They said it was five percent okay. lower than it was before. Little did they know that because of the industry um, and all the advantages there, the cost to the supplier had come down by about thirty percent at the same time. So really their price had gone up rather than down. So it's a matter of understanding the suppliers. And the suppliers know that, right? So um, a lot of times our clients will say, well, I've been with this supplier for 20 years and they are our best friends and we trust them. Well, um, just like there's not necessarily a correlation between um, a, a correlation between the size of a company and the, and the, and the you know, quality of contracts, um, there's also no correlation in the duration of the relationship. And uh, I would almost say that the longer the relationship, generally speaking, a client has with a supplier, the worse the contracts are. So um, it, it, okay. it pays to, it pays to um, you know, do the due diligence uh, yourself or, or let a third party do it from time to no, time. That's great. That's great to know. So, um, what I'd love is for you to give us just a one real life example. So just think of a company over the last year or so, and obviously you're not going to share the name of the company, but just tell us a bit about it. Like, you know, what industry they're in and what their approximate revenues are. And just tell us about the different, you know, kind of cost categories you helped them with. Um, well, um, we did a, a large, very large private um, chemical manufacturer, um, a billion plus, and with locations all over the country, and with contracts okay. with vendors all over the country, and um, uh, you know, typically like like a large company, and they thought they they were in good shape, um, and we did about fourteen projects for them, and in five instances, five out of those 14, they were right. They had very good rates, uh, best in class, was very little we could tweak or do, um, but we did the projects anyways. They were happy, you know, to, to know that um, they were doing well, they had negotiated good rates. Um, however, in, in nine of the 14, um, it's, it wasn't so good at all, and we were able to improve. Uh, in one instance, we did telecommunications was one of the projects. They had a full-time, a full-time person whose job was to have that relationship with the telecom companies and negotiate with them. We were able to save that in that project, uh, the client 38% off of that telecom contract. So, um, again, they thought wow. they had a good relationship. They thought because we are big, um, you know, AT&T or whoever it was is going to give us good rates. Well, that's not how it works, right? The, the the vendor has two things in mind when they talk to a prospect. One is for the prospect to become a client, and two is for them to become a client at the highest possible rates that the supplier can get away with. And that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. So that's how it works. We understand that. And so uh, sometimes um, companies have you know, great contracts in certain categories and, and just very bad ones in others. It happens. Um, sure. So, so, so like that, on that, the telecom, that, yeah. 
No, that, right. that's really that's a that, thank you for that example. That's a great example. Sure. Uh, and so, like just on that telecom, do you like remember like what the approximate annual spend on that was? Well, that was um, between one and two million dollars. Wow. So that and so yeah, thirty-eight percent or so. That, that. Uh, yeah, that that added up to quite a bit. Um, another thing that I really haven't talked about is Dave, and I'll give you an example here. Um, once the new contracts are implemented with the new or, or the existing supplier, we will monitor for a number of months, usually two years actually, um, all the invoices that come in, um, you know, moving forward. And 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 so we, we do that, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. One of them is obviously we want to make sure that um, – that the, the new rates are actually implemented. A lot of times, over time, you see, you know, what we call rate increases or rate creep coming back in. Um, we want to make sure that um, the client is actually buying from that supplier and not from other suppliers. So we we monitor it on a, on a monthly basis. Now, recently, we had a, a, another client. Not so big, uh, probably you know under a hundred million dollars, and we did freight for them. Um, but what we decided, because last year uh, you will remember that it was extremely hard for anybody to to um, to buy freight, so to speak. There was there was a um, there were not enough truck drivers. There was not enough equipment. The economy was going 100 miles an hour. And so the price of freight was very high. Now, fast forward literally 12 months to today, that has gone 180. Now there is there's plenty of equipment on the road. You can buy freight much, much cheaper than you could 6, 9, 12 months ago. So by us monitoring the invoices, by us understanding what's going on in the freight industry, we went to the client and we said, um, rather than wait two years until the contract is up, why don't we do an RFP on a quarterly basis? And so that is what we have done. It's not typical, but it made sense to us. And and sure enough, every quarter, uh, the rates have come down because the situation allows us to, to negotiate that. So that's another example of, of sort of where we bring value. Sure. And when you do that, the, the monthly review of the invoices, you, you do that for a couple of reasons, right? One is uh, because your fee will be tied to the actual savings, right? So you can't, Correct. unless you figure out the actual savings, you don't know how to calculate your fee. And then the other is just, you know, they get a bonus benefit of just having you uh, make sure that there's no mistakes on the invoices. And yep. I'm just curious, I do you find mistakes? on the invoices we find mistakes on the invoices all the time um what and what percent so here's my question what percentage of the time is the mistake in the cost to the customer's benefit yeah yeah i think you know the answer uh it's <laughs> it's the mi the minority of the time isn't that funny how that works right um <laughs> sure. so like like yeah. like less than five percent you know maybe one probably yeah I, i'm not sure if we even track that but uh, i would imagine it's it's not very often so um mm -hmm. even though to, they're quote your... honest even though they're quote honest mistakes uh, they always seem mistakes. to be honestly... like an oxymoron yeah <laughs> right 
No, but okay, um, good, yeah, that, 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 no, that's that's one of the reasons why we do it, um, and 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 it's it's to see patterns, uh, to make sure that the client is has stopped buying from the old supplier and has transferred all to the new supplier. So so different reasons why why we monitor it. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, well, thank you for the example. Um, so I, I think based on my experience of the clients of ours you've worked with, I would say that 95% of the clients we've referred to you, you've been able to add value. And is that kind of typical for your whole portfolio or were our clients, was there something unique? (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> they were exceptional. No, your clients were just <laughs> average. Yeah, no, and um, and hopefully, uh, you know, we we bring value to the process, even if there are no savings, right? Um, oh, because you, you just are, confirmed are, that they have good yeah, rates, right? Exactly, and and they basically conducted a sort of a due diligence process, and and they're they're happy with what we did, and they're obviously happy with uh, what we came back with. So it doesn't always necessarily have to be savings, but but obviously that's how how, how we exist, um, and the majority of the time that's what actually what happens, of course, as well. And to your point, yeah, yeah. probably ninety five percent is, is probably a good percentage. You know, it doesn't always work out, but usually it does. Yeah, and it's really because the the the, the deck is really stacked such that it's it's. It's almost Im- it's almost impossible for you not to be able to help, right? Because you have the industry experts, right, who used to work at the companies that they're now yep. negotiating against. You have the database of you know the twenty thousand plus projects, so you know the best rate that a vendor's you know given anywhere in the country for yeah. you know for that service, and so you have that in your back pocket, and uh, so you kind of add all of it together. Uh, and then the fact that your work's all on a success fee basis, uh, there's almost no drawback to somebody using you. Because again, the worst that happens is you'll you'll validate uh, at no cost to them that they already have great rates. Yeah, yeah, no, that that's that's it. So and and this whole process again, they can do it themselves. You know, they they it it's a, as, as they will see in that presentation. Um, it's it's a lot of work and. Um, but it can be done, and um, okay. you know, as a result, I think their their you know results will go from good to exceptional. That's what we see when we do it. Okay. Well, Hans, I really appreciate you taking time out today. And, sure. Uh, why don't we just uh, just summarize? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So why don't uh, why don't you just let me summarize and then correct sure. me where I'm wrong? Okay. Yep. So, uh, for any company over $5 million of revenue, that probably 95% of the time you'll be able to help them. And the, mag- the magnitude of the help uh, is you know, around 1% of revenues. Uh, it takes very little time, especially if you discover that you can't help them and they already have great rates. It's probably very little time on their end to get to that point in the process. So there's almost no risk uh, other than just you know a few hours of time 
And the worst thing that will happen is that they'll validate they've got great rates. What will probably happen is that they will, um, uh, you know, materially increase their bottom line through your services and you only get paid if you're successful. And even then you only get paid once the savings have been recognized, right? It's not Correct. like you're estimating the savings for a year and then asking them to cut you a check, you know, right then before you can start the RFP, right? It's They're paying you monthly based on the actual savings, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So no, so all of that is correct. And one one major thing is missing, and that is that throughout this whole process, the client is in charge. So we are okay. not in charge. We are not in charge. We do not make any decisions. If the client says, "I do not want UPS on this RFP," then that's what will happen. Um, so and, uh, and 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 so again, we are an extension to their team, to their procurement team, uh, and we feed them with the information. We give them advice, um, but uh, they are always in control of the process, and they're always in control of the decisions that need to be made. Yeah, that, and thank you for mentioning that because the bottom line, you're not going to make them change vendors just because you no, find it's a better rate. No. Yeah, that. Thank you for reminding me of that. And so, and uh, lastly, if any of your contacts are listening to this podcast, you know, prospective uh, customers of yours or centers of influence like bankers or attorneys or CPAs, uh, you know, Hans has helped dozens of our clients. And if anybody ever needs a reference, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to me. My number is eight three two six five four. Nine eight eight nine eight three two six five four nine eight eight nine. Again, I'm a huge fan. I can think of only one client that we've ever referred to you that you couldn't help, and uh, they were relatively small in, in kind of a unique area where there just weren't, you know, most of their expenses were core expenses. So, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a I'm a a huge fan of your work. You always make us look like uh, you know like a, like a hero. And I would encourage anybody out there who's listening who has a company with $5 million of revenue or more uh, to reach out to Hans or even just reach out to me if you want just an intermediate step, uh, have a pretty good understanding of their business. If you want to just you know, ask me some questions uh, without having to involve Hans, you can do that as well. And thank you again for the presentation you put together. And that's sure. Yeah, www.reducedexpenses.com. And uh, anything else we need to add? No, that's uh, that's it, Dave. I I thank you for um, you know inviting me on this, and obviously for your continued support. It's been great, and I encourage everyone to to go to that website and to uh, see the slides and listen to my comments. Uh, there's a little bit more meat to that than we discussed today. So there will be a lot of things you heard today and some, some new stuff as well. So with that, uh, yeah, thank you very much, Dave. Well, thank you, Hans. So with that, we will sign off. Goodbye. Goodbye. There we have it. Another great episode. Thanks for listening in. If you want to continue the conversation, go to icdiscshow.com. That's ic-disc 
SHOW.com. And we have additional information on the podcast, archived episodes, as well as a button to be a guest. So if you'd like to be a guest, go select that and fill out the information. And we'd love to have you on the show. So that's it. We'll be back next time with another episode of the IC Disc Show.